We talked last week about keys to the kingdom. I'm going to talk, I'm going to read through my notes real quick. I'm going to hit a couple of points that I feel like the Spirit wants me to hit before we leave today. And then we'll go, uh, we're going to go have a cookout and celebrate um, seven years since my dad uh, got to peek in on the other side and see what it looked like over there. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. I'm reading from the Message Bible. Later on that day, this is Resurrection Day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered. Did he come through the door? Jesus is the door. He just enters. He stood among them and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands inside. And the disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Now listen, then he took a deep breath and breathed into them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You imagine this, he's gathered up and his disciples are absolutely terrified because Jesus has just been killed. Peter had denied him. Judas is hanging, his corpse is hanging, has, has fallen from a branch and his bowels, the Bible says, are gushed out on the ground below. And all his disciples are like, they're going to do the same thing to us. These, these Sanhedrin have convinced the Romans that we're a threat, so they're going to crucify us, they're going to kill us. So they're gathered together in a place and Jesus appears to them. And what does he do? He does what the same, the same thing that the Spirit of God did in the very beginning when he knelt down and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. Jesus stands before his disciples and says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And he breathes upon them. Except instead of this time, it was not the first man, Adam, a living soul that was getting breathed upon, but it was the quickening Adam that was doing the breathing. And so they were going to receive for the first time the Holy Spirit in themselves, which was wonderful, except that it was only for them and it didn't change anything but them. I don't have to hurry through this, I know. Otherwise, we'd be here till 1 o'clock. Believe me, I could do it. He took a deep breath and breathed into them, received the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? It basically insinuating, if you don't forgive them, you get to hold on to them. Uh, and, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Breathe on. Enthusio is what it means from the Greek uh, 1722 and, and 5453. It means to blow on or to breathe on. It, it, it literally means instrumentality. Medially or constructively, that is a relation of rest. The second part of the word is fuo. I know I'm going through it really quick, but we've got to. Which means to puff or to blow, that is to swell up, but only used in the implied sense. To germinate or to grow. Jesus breathed individually into each of them. It's the picture of an instrumentalist blowing on a clarinet or on a horn to produce music. It was at this point that the disciples passed from Old Testament into New Testament salvation. They were the first to see and believe on the risen Christ. Every prophet and believer of old looked forward to an event that was yet to happen, but they were saved and they were saved by faith through a sacrifice yet to be offered in time. However, the disciples were witnesses of the death, burial, and now the resurrection of Jesus Christ and were the first fruits of the New Testament church. And they, as we are saved by a work that has been historically accomplished. Jesus cried it is finished and he meant it. It would be a good place to say amen. 
Now, when Jesus inbreathed the disciples, they became the first fruits of the new creation. It is the exact pattern God used to breathe life into the old creation. But this time, it's not the Lord in the garden giving breath and creating a soul, but the resurrected Christ who has already passed through death on our behalf and come out victoriously on the other side, totally victorious over sin, death, and the devil. And he breathes that victorious breath. Think about this. Jesus dies and goes to the other side, goes into death, and comes back from that place and he breathes into his disciples a breath that only he could breathe because he received it of his father it was the promise of his father on that third day when his cold dead body was laying in the tomb not moving completely dormant the spirit hovers over him and Jesus sits up and takes his first breath and that is the exact same breath the resurrection breath that he breathed in his disciples it's the exact same resurrection breath that you got breathed on less than 10 minutes ago well, what are we going to do with it? Well, not a whole lot because it's for you. You're not going to change the world with that. What? That's not going to change the world. That's what we have in our church right now. It's good and it's wonderful. And you come in here and we're filled with the Spirit. And we feel the Spirit. And we see a move in our personal lives. And maybe we receive a healing in our bodies. Or maybe God answers a prayer about relationship. Or maybe God answers a prayer about finance. That's all wonderful. But it ain't going to change the world. It's going to take something more. You want to talk about keys to the kingdom? I'm going to give you a big one today. It's going to take something more than just having the inbreed spirit of God. You mean there's something more? Oh, there's something so much more. Let's read. The first man, Adam, was from the earth earthy, but the last is the Lord from heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, this is what the scripture says. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However... Listen closely. This seems to be where we are. It's what I just said. I did an assessment. I was thinking about the church actually the last few weeks, and I put a note on my phone that says, I'm going to read it to you. Thanks. I just got my thank you text from text to give. You're welcome. I want to read it to you because I want to read it how I wrote it. My kids get on my phone, and I can never find anything anymore. And I don't have the family plan for Apple Music, so when I'm listening to my music on my phone, specifically at the gym, and I can always tell when Rachel has my iPad because it kicks me off. And I call and say, Elizabeth, tell that girl to get off of my iPad. Sometimes it is, Jason, that's true. Here's what I wrote. I'll tell you when I wrote it too. 29, is that what it said? 7 9. So July 9th. I believe we are, we are seriously having an impact on everyone who walks through the doors of True Vine. Do you agree with that? I question the impact we're having in our community. That's the note I put in there. There's no doubt the people that come through these doors are receiving an impact. God has killed cancer this year in people. God has healed people. He's given babies. In July, I prophesied, right, standing right there, and I said, God's given out babies, and there's a couple in Florida. I didn't name their names, but what I saw, Dustin and Kendra, did you know they're pregnant with baby number two? Prophesied it in June or June? I believe, no, it was July. Pretty close to the same date that she found out that, that the, the conception is considered to have been. So God's been doing that, but that's happening inside the walls of this church. But what impact are we having out there? I question it. This is not an indictment. It's just a reality. And we've got to find out why is this happening. With Jesus' disciples, even after this in-breathing, there was true interchange, but not much change externally. Listen, what do I mean? Peter goes back to fishing. I'm talking he sees the death of Jesus, or at least from afar. He sees his body tattered and torn and ripped to pieces and exposed bones. 
No broken bones, but exposed bones. He watches him give his life, at least John did, and testify. He goes to the tomb to find Jesus. Jesus ain't there. And now they're terrified, like, oh, my God, have they stolen his body? Did he actually raise from the dead? Was he talking, like, literally, or was he talking spiritually? What does rise from the dead even mean? Is he going to do with him what he did with Lazarus? What's going to happen here? Oh, my God, they're going to come and kill us. And that's what their mindset is. And Jesus appears to them. They see his resurrected body with the prince of the nails in his hand. Uh, and in his and the spear in his side and in his the nail print in his feet and they've witnessed it and they receive the inbreathing spirit of God and go back to life as usual. The only thing that changed was the Bible does say that they were daily in the temple praising. So it means their church life was a little bit better, but the life out there wasn't a whole lot better. Jerusalem was still a chaotic mess. They were forever changed by their experience, but Jerusalem was not changed. Not yet. Their lifestyles were basically the same, except that they were in the temple daily praising. But everything they had received through this glorious in-breathing was for them personally. However, Jesus made a comment to them, and he said, after the in-breathing, Luke 24, he's going to tell them something. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst, stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. I'm reading from Luke 24, 36. But they were startled and frightened and, and thought they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you thing, anything here to eat? I like Jesus. I believe that I'm a man after God's own heart, and Jesus is a man after mine because the first thing he wants to do is eat. It's okay to laugh right there. I ain't going to kill you. I, I ain't going to lie. My belly growled about three minutes ago. I'm like, man, I'm hungry. There's a cookout happening today. I'm about to have 17 cheeseburgers. And before we eat them, we're going to say, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. <laughs> they gave him a piece of broiled fish. You give me a piece of broiled fish, I'm going to throw it back at you. You better fry something for me. This is the South. <laughs> if Jesus had been here, he'd have got some fried chicken, wouldn't he? It ain't fried chicken, church meat. Ain't it? Ain't it? The, the devil is a lie. Fried chicken. Fried chicken and biscuits and corn. Good. Now, I'm, you're about to shout now. Biscuits and cornbread and sweet tea. Don't bring me that other kind of tea. It was funny because I was talking to Mark yesterday on the phone. He called me. He was coming down from a meeting and he says, the way he says it, he says, sweet tea. He emphasizes the word sweet. We don't emphasize the word sweet here. We don't normally even say it. We just say tea. Because if it ain't got sugar in it in the South, honey, it ain't tea. That's just a watery mess. That is an abomination to the Lord. Tea is tea in the South, and that means it's got sugar in it. <laughs> the biggest amen of the day on sweet tea. I don't know, Lord. We in the, we in the deep South. Now he said to them, my word, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Many of you, I prayed over you that the Lord, I said the Lord's going to bring clarity and open your mind. That's where it came from. 
And they were able to, I love this, don't miss this. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. What he said was, man, this has been great, right? I'm alive. I'm resurrected. You saw it. But there's something more coming. And the something more is going to cause a ripple effect that's going to start in Jerusalem. But before it's done, it will touch every single nation of the earth. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. So stay here in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, verse 50. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Thank God. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. You know what happened? The family just grabbed him up. The whole great cloud of witnesses was there. Why do you think he was covered with the cloud? You think he was whisked away in a cumulus or a cirrus? No, no, no. The great cloud of witnesses was there, and they said, it's time, and they received him into the family the same way that happened to my father exactly seven years ago today. He was received into the family. As a matter of fact, I was going to pray that God brings life back to his body, and he told me on the way he ain't coming back. My mother bent over in tears right here. Do you remember that? Could hardly stand. We're watching him work on his body. And the Lord said, he ain't coming back. I probably didn't want to come back. You ain't going to want to come back when you see what God's got prepared for you either. But for the meantime, we're here. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. Now we move to Acts chapter 1. Everybody say, thank you, Lord, for Acts chapter 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. I love that Jesus ain't just a teacher, he's a doer. Until the day when he was taken up into heaven, after, that, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these also he presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, the King James says infallible, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. What did he talk to them about? Things concerning the kingdom of God. What did I tell you we're going to talk about? Keys to the kingdom of God. Jesus probably, in talking to the disciples for 40 days about things pertaining to the kingdom of God, was talking a little bit more about the keys to access the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Do you think they're going to receive the biggest key that they've ever received? Absolutely. Listen, you'll hear it. To these he also, oh, I'm sorry. By many convincing proofs, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking things concerning the kingdom of God, gathering them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. A promise is only as good as the one who makes it. Our Father is not a promise breaker. So if he makes a promise, it don't matter if you're in season, out of season, young, old, fat, ugly, whatever. It don't, it don't matter. Beautiful. It doesn't matter. If he made the promise, you can count on it because it's going to happen. How many people have received the promise of the Lord? And you're waiting for the manifestation. Well, keep waiting because it's coming. Which he said, you've heard from me. For John baptized with water. But you will be baptized, here it is, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's the promise of the Father. I've already breathed my spirit into you. The, re the life-giving, resurrected Christ breathed into you and you received it in yourself. And yet you're not baptized. So the only person that's influenced by the in-breathing is you. But there's coming another one. And when the baptism comes, it's going to change Jerusalem and the nations. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Still thinking carnality. 
oh, cool, so you're going to come rule. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power. Now you receive power for the life that hap- the change of life that happens into you when you receive the inbreathing of the Spirit of God. When you say, when you come to a realization that He's your Father and you're His child and you're tired of running and say, I want you to be my Savior. You already were my Savior. Me asking you didn't make you my Savior. I'm just recognizing you're my Savior and you're my Lord. And you receive that inbreathing, it changes your life, but it don't change anybody else. States will be synonymous with the glory. Not if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's all that's going to, that, that is all that will do statesful synonymous with the glory. It's not happening by the indwelling spirit. It's going to happen by baptism. Now listen. And when he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going. Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking upon the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Which means the same cloud of witnesses that taught him, brought him up is going to be the same cloud of witnesses that's in this church today paying attention to what he's doing right now. You shall receive power the promise is that you would be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That is different from the inbreathing that happened on the day of His resurrection. Baptism, baptismo, it means to make whelmed, that is, fully wet, used only in the New Testament. Derived from the word babto, which means to whelm or to cover wholly with the fluid in the New Testament, only in a qualified or specific sense, that is, literally to moisten a part of one's body or to stain. This baptism in the Holy Spirit was not an inbreathing of the Spirit and not just an encounter with Jesus. And those are good. I've heard him say, and I like it to a certain extent, that we owe them an encounter. No, ma'am. You owe them a whole lot more than an encounter. That's the starting point. Yes, do we owe them an encounter? Absolutely. But the world is not going to be changed by an encounter, but they will be changed by baptism. You better hear that. We owe them an encounter. I believe that encounter. I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. If I got to meet a king one day and he said I could have whatever I want, I think it'd be great. But I don't want to just meet a king one day and get a wish granted. I would love to be baptized with the same spirit and presence and have him go with me everywhere that I go. And that was the purpose of the baptism. Listen. The inbreathing that happened on Resurrection Sunday was like a glass being filled with water. But the baptism was like putting that same glass under Niagara Falls. Yeah, the in-breathing, the time that you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and His Spirit breathes on you, you feel like a new baby. You feel fresh and new and wonderful and clean and you're not worried about the stuff you used to be. You remember that? Does anybody else remember the time that that happened that you said, oh my God, everything changed. It's wonderful and that is being filled. But what the Lord wants to do is put that same you under Niagara Falls and say, now you're going to be baptized. No longer is this going to be the Spirit in you, but the Spirit that's going to baptize you be fully immersed. And it's that that's going to change the world. And the results were much different as well. I'm going to contrast the two things that happened really quickly in the inbreathing spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here we go. On Resurrection Sunday, they received the inbreathed spirit by the resurrected Christ, the inbreathed Christ, and the result was life. But on Pentecost Sunday, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost by the ascended Christ, the outpouring spirit, and the result was power. I'm going to say it again. On in-breathing, this is Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Day, when Jesus appears to him and breathes on him, he eats the fish with him. When he breathes on him, it's the in-breathed spirit 
from the resurrected Christ, and they received the inbreathed, the ruach, the Christ, and the results of that were new life. However, it's only new life until Pentecost Sunday, which would be after Jesus ascends, 10 days later, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. They put their jar under Niagara Falls. The Holy Spirit comes by the ascended Christ. It's the outpouring spirit, and the result is not life. The result is power. The, the moment the disciples were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they received three things. They received scriptural revelation. Peter would stand up, you've read it in Acts chapter 2, and say, this is that that was spoken of by Joel the prophet that in those days, in the last days, I will pour out of my, what days were they? In the last days I would pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters would prophesy. Your young men would, would see visions, your old men dream dreams. You know, Peter says, this is that he received scriptural revelation. Two, boldness to witness. Remember, after Jesus, the inbreathing, they were still hiding out. The only place they hid out was in their little room or they were in the temple praising because they thought they were either safe there or they're saying, but they were not doing anything in Jerusalem. Now, they've got boldness to witness. They were no longer hiding in an upper room or keeping rejoicing confined within the temple. But were bold in taking the gospel to the streets. And by the way, Peter never talked about fishing again. Is connecting at all? You're looking at me like you already know this, and I'm thinking, if you already know this and never see this, why are you not making the impact? Or maybe we've risen mental ascent, but we really haven't received this. Maybe the Lord's having me say it so that you can say, oh, maybe I need to make sure that I've got this because I should be having an impact if I do. Are you having an impact where you are? If not, it doesn't mean that God's left you. It doesn't mean that you're out of line. It don't mean you've done anything wrong. You probably have the indwelling spirit. It just means maybe you need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. They received power. They began doing miracles and signs and wonders. In fact, miracles and signs and wonders followed them to confirm the testimony of the risen Christ, and everybody knew about it. All of Jerusalem was shaken, and indeed that was, on the, that was the tremors from the earthquake that changed the world. The earthquake that changed the world happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit birthed the church and was poured out. So I'm going to ask you again. As you come here like, man, I feel it. I feel, I feel it. It's awesome. I feel, I feel God's presence. And I've experienced the miraculous. But, but then it's just it's like i got to get back there to feel That's exactly what the disciples went through until baptism in the Holy Spirit. So have you been baptized? Do you have his in-breathing spirit? Probably. Have you been baptized? I don't know. Are you making an impact? Do you, have scripture, do you read the scripture and it jumps off the page? Like, that's what this is. That's what this is. Not a question about it. Not getting the theological debates with these morons on Facebook. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. That all they want to do is theologically debate stuff. They're nothing but a bunch of debaters. They need to shut up and let people that stand up in, in, in word and in power do something. I'm tired of hearing all these smart guys that have it all figured out and they couldn't heal the, they couldn't heal the sick of their life depended on it. I'd rather have somebody that, that speaks with double negatives and can barely get one foot in front of the other, but when he opens his mouth, the dead are raised and the blind see and the deaf hear. Give me somebody that's got some unction. Give me somebody that's been baptized over someone that's just a brainiac somewhere. 
I won't even read their books. I don't care how popular or smart they are. I reached out to one of them last week and still hadn't got a response and probably won't. That's okay. You keep your nice little, little theology and brainiacs up there. As far as I'm concerned, when I see somebody dead, I expect them to raise from the dead. When I see somebody blind, I expect them to see. And when I say Statesville is going to be synonymous with the glory, I expect the church to be fully immersed, baptized in His Spirit such that everywhere we go, there are, there's an earthquake, a shaking, and tremors happen. I'm just trying to talk you into something. Supernatural power. Scriptural, scriptural revelation. It would be this baptism that would cause Peter to walk up and say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'll give you. Which means it's mine to give. As sons and daughters of the Father, baptized in His Spirit, it is yours to give healing to broken states, Phil. Are you listening to me? It is yours to give your community, your workplace, your, your sphere of influence, whatever that may be. It is not only, it is your responsibility to impact that. And if you're not having that impact, this is not a thing you say, man, I thought I had it all. It's okay. It says, okay, maybe you need a fresh baptism in His Spirit. That's probably why the Lord was pushing so hard for that earlier this morning. He's ready for it now. He's ready for it now. Right now. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this baptism? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for you. The indwelling Spirit is. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that you can take His gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, to the world. That don't mean you're going to be a preacher or not a preacher. It just means you should impact every place that you go. You should influence every. There should be drops of oil, of holy oil that goes everywhere that your footsteps should be impacted and changed because you were there. You ought to walk with such anointing oil on your feet that you walk in desert ground the moment you pass that grass and roses grow. I saw a vision of it. Walking in a desert, but you're so fully anointing like Jesus Christ that every time you put your foot on a dry, cracked desert ground, it becomes watered and fertile and immediately grass and roses and flowers and trees arise. You haven't seen anything yet. Oh, and by the way, this is the first fruit. This is the earnest. This is the down payment of your inheritance. You mean there's more? Oh, so much more. The Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit the earnest of our inheritance, which means this is the down payment. This is security that there's more coming. You believe that? We live so far below our means. What's been provided for, we don't live there yet. I know we don't live there because if we did, I know states will be talking about it, and they're not. There are some rumors. I've had several people come up to me the last few months and say, man, states are, states are really hearing about Truvine. A lot of it has to do with us being in this building. A lot of it has to do with some impact. But, but by, I'm talking about, I, I'm ta I'm talking about the, the, the powers of darkness are so afraid of what God's doing in this place. I mean, I've seen it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not built, I'm telling you, they're absolutely mortified. Terrified. Mortified might be a great word because they will be put to death. The powers of darkness will be put to death over Statesville because this church and the city of light will be raised and seen across the nations. Statesville will be synonymous with the glory. It will happen as the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes upon a whole church, a whole body, a whole community of believers. Doesn't care who gets credit. God gets the glory. Can you imagine that? Not just Statesville, but Ruffton, Four City. I know it's Rutherfordton, but don't you, you, you guys call it Ruffton, right? Come on, Ruffton. Hey, 
and just walk them back and forth. Just everywhere I step, there's just life. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> what about you? How's everybody feeling? Everybody feeling okay? You might feel tired. You feel, you feel you feel beaten down, man. I'll tell you something. You go on Twitter and watch some of these uh, Twitter feeds that I read last week. You guys don't know how blessed you have it to be in a church full of life and full of uh, full of Holy Spirit power. I mean, I, it amazes me some of the trash that's still preached out there. Not taking shots. I'm just telling you, it's it's insane. Literally heard a preacher last week talk about churches in North Carolina, you know, singing, uh, changing holy their holy hymns to rock and roll. Not lying. I laughed so hard. I was spitting. I'm like, God, bless this idiot's heart and tell him to shut up. Some real sons and daughters full of the Holy Spirit to this church so they can receive some life. Instead of, I had a lady that told me this past week that goes to a very prominent church in town. Boy, it's one of them good services. I mean, it's one of those where the preacher just pounded on your head the whole time. Just felt, just felt like the worst person and questioned my salvation when I left. And I said, that was good? I literally said, she, no, I'm not exaggeration. This is her words to me. I said, that was good? Oh, yeah, them, them toes stomping. You know, he just, just makes you question your salvation. You know he's doing some good preaching. That's not good preaching. That's stupid. That, that's not good preaching. And we've conditioned ourselves to, if we're not getting beat to death, so when you receive a liberating word, a word that says you can and you will, and you're going to, it's almost like, what, what do we do with this? I'm, I don't even know how to leave church and feel good. <laughs> I can guarantee you when people left Jesus' meetings, specifically the ones that he touched, they felt just fine. One guy, it was even, the Sanhedrin comes up to him and says, hey man, are you saying he's the Messiah? Are you saying he's Christ? And he said, dude, I don't know if he's Messiah or not, but I do know I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> call it what you want to call it, but, you know, which means he wasn't healed by his theology, he was healed by encounter. Anyways, whatever. What are you going to do with this baptism? What are you going to do when William and, and Abby and Jonathan are up here laying on the floor for days at a time, hours at a time, every single day, crying out for the move of God to happen in Statesville? Would to God there be such a hunger? It, listen to this. I heard this this morning. It, I, said, I was praying coming down Hickory Highway because I go down Hickory Highway and cut across and, you know, just because I, I guess I make things hard. Seems to me to be the fastest way to get here. Anybody else go that way? Turn right the light, and you cut. What's that little side work? Anyways, I cut that way. And I said, Father, let there be a fresh hunger in your people to see a move of God in states. Let there be a, you got you have to hunger for it. You've got to hunger for this more than you hunger for your necessary food. If there's not a hunger for the move of God, it's not going to happen. There's got to be a hunger. There's got to be a surrender. Maybe there needs to be a fast. Fasting doesn't move God. Fasting moves you. But maybe we need to maybe to push the plate back some. Maybe we say, okay, Lord, I'm believing this. I'm contending. It's not on Josh and a couple others to do. We're all going to have to take our part. I'm going to be there and pray. I'm going to be faithful. I don't care if I get recognized or don't get recognized. I'm going to be there at 6 o'clock every night or whatever, and I'm going to pray for an hour until I feel something move and shake in, this sta in Statesville. Would to God that would happen right here. I'll push back the plate or whatever. I'll fast from social media. Whatever it is. Because, and when I'm doing it, I ain't just not eating. I'm going into intercession. Lord, show me. Create their, let there be such a hunger in Statesville for the things of God. A hunger in Statesville to see a move of God. Let, we are, you are the answer to the cries of your generation. You're the answer. They cried out and the Lord said, okay, here's your answer. And he presents these people. So what are you going to do with it? 
What will you do with it? Raise your hand if you're mad at me. <laughs> I knew I'd get one. Just You put your hand down, son. You're grounded. Serious. It's, it's amazing. If you knew the things that God has done, just to, oh, and by the way, um, in October, well, anyways, thank you, Jesus. God's good. God's good. Yeah? Everybody feel okay? Does anybody not feel okay? Better feel good when you leave here. How many people are going to change, change society on behalf of the Holy Spirit? How many people are going to be and simply say, I surrender to your moving Holy Spirit. Do with me what you will. Be careful with that because he'll make you look like a fool. It's foolish to say, hey, guys, get this. That guy just told me to step out and step on this water, this crazy raging sea. That is foolishness. And yet Clarice taught us the water doesn't get hard until you step out of the boat. He'll make you do some of the dumbest things. If you're not willing to look foolish for him, you can forget being used by him. I mean, I'm, I totally and in, in legitimately mean this. You've got to be completely and utterly willing to do whatever he says when he says it. That's what he's looking for. Surrender. Amen. Well, amen. Thank you, Lord. Everybody ready to go to the cookout? Me too.